This is an audio recording of an award lecture presented at the 2022 Annual Meeting of the American Society for Biochemistry and Molecular Biology. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Tony, for the kind introduction, I've, and I very much appreciate the award, the LAN Award from, from the Society. So today, I would like to share with you um, my enthusiasm for hyperbolic geometry and uh, discuss how it can be useful in analyzing finding patterns and finding um, key factors in molecular data sets. So as a way of introduction, so what is shown here is um, a visualization of the hyperbolic geometry. And I will make three arguments for why it is useful for analyzing diverse biological data sets. Um, first, it turns out that it describes hierarchical tree-like systems, so, and which is um, many of the um, systems in biology, um, many of the networks are organized um, in a hierarchical manner. And so the argument is that rather than having a standard Euclidean space that is easy to use, but it may not be applicable or the best one to use with, uh, in the case where networks are expanding exponentially. So if um, we have some root uh, states and then they multiply through an exponential process, this exponential explosion of states is more congruent with the hyperbolic geometry. And then there are other motivations. So I will show you example from metabolic signals from plants, but also how they are perceived um, by humans. And the last um, example, hopefully, will be from gene expression. So in all of these cases, we are finding that the hyperbolic geometry makes it, um, allows for more accurate, visual, low dimensional visualization of the data. And, um, um, and leads to predictions in, um, uh, in accuracy, and also makes it possible to create novel maps. For example, in the case of orders, a long-standing problem in the case of orders is how to <clears throat> evaluate distances between molecules, because molecules are um, discrete. Is there a... Okay, all right, so I guess the slides are here. I've been talking and talking, but it turns out the slides were all around here. So the first argument that if we, whenever we have an exponential um, expansion of states, then uh, this is more congruent with the hyperbolic geometry. And to illustrate this in, um, uh, in more mathematical sense, often, you know, in many cases in um, computational science, uh, sciences, we are talking about clades and other hierarchical clustering representations. So the distance between two points along the tree, to evaluate it, we usually go inside the tree and then back out. So the corresponding continuous analog is if I take two nodes at the edge of the tree, the distance between them will not be a straight line, but will be attracted to the center of the, um, of the space. 
And one advantage is of using hyperbolic geometry or continuous approximation to a tree-like structure is that imagine that the position of the nodes is affected by noise. And so instead of having a discrete representation, we might want to seek a continuous representation. That's one argument. The second argument, it turns out that um, if the network nodes, so if we observe activity of nodes at the edge of the network, by monitoring their correlation, you can um, infer something about what happens about the uh, nodes that are unobserved. And what was shown recently in the past 10 years is that when nodes in the network, the, when the distances between nodes and the correlation between them conform to what would be distances along the hyperbolic surface, then such networks allow for efficient routing of information. For example, it was shown that internet, for example, um, and computers in an internet networks allow for efficient routing. So, and that's relevant for biology because what does it mean to efficiently route signals? It means that I need to, in, in principle, the efficient routing says I have to go from one node to another node, and in principle, I need to know the exact path and full connectivity in the network. But in the case where nodes go in and out, as is relevant for biology, then it becomes difficult to navigate in the network without knowing full connectivity structure. So when the network has a hidden hyperbolic geometry, it is possible to navigate knowing only the coordinates of uh, the starting node, the coordinates of the neighboring node, and the coordinates of the target node. So then I'm still, as a node that has to send a packet, I'm selected among my neighbors who is the closest one to my target coordinates, and then using the local information, navigating the network. And that has been shown to allow for efficient routing of information. And then the third point is that it turns out that when networks communi communication within a network can actually be structured in a lossless way um, if the underlying geometry is hyperbolic. So these are theoretical motivations for looking for evidence of hyperbolic geometry in um, biological networks. So today I will present uh, three um, brief sets of data. One is uh, hyperbolic geometry in uh, metabolites from plants and animals, um, specifically volatiles produced by plants. The second one will be in human perception, and the third one will be in mammalian gene expression. So starting with the first question of natural orders, so there has been a long question of, uh, long-standing question of how to define distances between molecules. And one way is, of course, to evaluate physical chemical properties um, such as the length of the carbon chain and so on. And this has been successful, but as um, emerging evidence indicates, at least with respect to the nervous system, that the early sensory part of the nervous systems are sensitive to the physical chemical properties of these molecules. But um, as far as perception is uh, concerned, these physical chemical properties are not um, do not allow for strong correlation with the perceptual characteristics. So instead, our approach was to think 
more of an ethological perspective. So where the olfaction is really a communication system between plants and animals. And each plant will produce maybe 80 monomolecular orders. So you can define distances between monomolecular orders as a correlation how often these two um, molecules increase and decrease in the concentration. So with this um, approach, we took a data set from food industry, and they're interested in making a perfect strawberry for us. And they, um, the data set consists of different genetic varieties of strawberries, and each genetic variety produces different um, um, concentrations of molecules, and then we measure uh, the distance between molecules in a statistical way, how often they how strongly they correlate across different samples. So one can think of this as a segment of the natural world. So limited to strawberries, but then you expand to other um, food sources and other situations. But for now, this is uh, the data set. And then the stronger correlation implies the smaller distance. So now with this approach, you have distances between molecules. And um, you can ask, what surface does these distances um, apply? So one, um, of, of course, it's an, uh, one question one could ask, if I give you distances between cities on Earth, then if they span different continents, then the distances would not be consistent with the flat Earth hypothesis. So then you can ask what surface there are they consistent with. So the same approach, now instead of distances between cities, we are talking distances between molecules, and we are asking what surface these um, no low dimensional surface these nodes lie on. And um, when uh, looking uh, to the strawberry data set, so actually when we talk about surfaces of constant curvature, there are only three possibilities. It can be spherical with positive curvature. It can be flat with Euclidean curvature, zero curvature. And it can be hyperbolic with a negative curvature. And we are interested uh, in the back of our, our minds in the hyperbolic case because it mimics the hierarchical network that we do not observe, but presumably the orders that are produced have risen as a result of the metabolic activity within the plant. So we evaluate the distances using topological methods. Um, and we can find, so the data is in the black triangles. And the um, topological characteristics of different orders that um, one could expect from the same number of points put on a flat surface is not consistent with the data. Same thing with the spherical surface, but one could have a match with the hyperbolic um, description. So in this case, um, one could have an early indication that the data from uh, plants falls on a hyperbolic surface. So in this particular case, the data set was from strawberries, and the, uh, it was um, described by a three-dimensional hyperbolic space of um, curvature or radius of the map in units of unit curvature of about seven. And it turns out with approximately the same parameters, you can describe other many other data sets. So this is data from strawberries here. Again, the triangle showed data, and the colored bars show the expected values, topological va um, values 
for this number of points, for a hyperbolic case or for Euclidean case. So this is reproduction of data from the previous slide, where we see that the hyperbolic um, statistics accounts for the data and Euclidean does not. But then also looking at orders found in mouse urine, uh, in um, a set of blueberries or a set of tomatoes. And in all cases, hyperbolic geometry with approximately the same parameters um, accounts for the data, and in the Euclidean case, it does not, statistically different. So now we might be curious, how would the molecules um, distribute in this hyperbolic space? So instead of a two-dimensional network, so we think about now a three-dimensional tree, and to visualize the hyperbolic space, we use the construction called a Poincaré ball. It, you can think of this as an envelope of a tree that is hidden, and the molecules that we will be, that I'm showing here, each dot here is a molecule, and they are volatile, so they are at the edge of the ball, and the underlying metabolic processes uh, and molecules are hidden because they're not volatile. But nevertheless, one can have this map, and to emphasize that this is not a sphere, which I told you is not consistent with the data, I'm highlighting two molecules and the distance between them that goes not along the surface of the ball, but closer to, enters the ball in a way as you would evaluate distances between points along a tree and the trajectory, the geodesic, the shortest distance trajectory is attracted towards the center of the sphere. And one can see this in three dimensions here. So now, uh, combining the data set of strawberries with, um, say, for example, tomatoes, you can um, have more points, but also now the position of points is taken from the statistics from natural world, but the color is about uh, human perception. So. One can see a clear topography here. So there is a region which is denoted by this red line and more pink colors that humans clearly prefer and um, on this map. So using these approaches, we hope that one could have finally coordinates for olfaction just like we have for color. And you can say what's your preferred um, wine coordinates or what your preferred smell or perfume coordinates. Um, using a low-dimensional representation. So um, there are other axes that one could define in this space, and in particular, um, the space is low-dimensional, so the axes are interdependent, and you can predict how something will be, how, how much it will be pleasant based on physical chemical properties, such as molecular boiling point of the odorant. And using this approach, we could get a, a stronger correlation than with previous methods of about 0.6 for predicting how the odorant will uh, pleasant, um, pleasant will be. So I think I will, um, for the second part, I will uh, um, try to go faster, but the question is now skipping over from natural orders to um, perception, we, we say that um, now the distances are based on rankings, and such as whether the smell is uh, fragrant, um, natural, or chemical. And um, I, I will skip some slides in the interest of time, and I will just show you data that in this case, um, the topological characteristics are shown here, 
and they indicate that the hyperbolic space of three dimensions is sufficient to account for the points, and Euclidean space one could rule out based on uh, a combination of different topological characteristics. So for the specialists in the audience, these are Betty curves of order one and Betty two, and um, you cannot have both of them being consistent with Euclidean representation. So unlike the case of the orderance um, that are produced by strawberries, these are many different, not necessarily natural orders, and in this case you can have uh, molecules that uh, fill the sphere, and some of them correspond to things that are generalist, such as they are found in, for example, in many food sources, and the other ones would be specialist, which are at the edge of the sphere, which if it is present um, uh, here, then it indicates, for example, it's a dairy product or as a, um, a specific um, pathway is activated. And um, the last part, which may be most, um, of most interest to, um, to the audience, is the evidence of hyperbolic geometry in mammalian gene expression. And um, for this, I will just briefly mention that we developed a method based on um, multidimensional scaling, a non-metric version of the multidimensional scaling, and it has many advantages over topological methods because it can be applied to very large data sets. So in the interest of time, I will just skip over to the results and um, um, show the following. So um, in this case, it's an application to um, a data set of microarray data from Luke et al. from 2010, and what we are, um, Taking this data, we embed it either in the hyperbolic space or in a Euclidean space. And what happens is that if, you, if the true space is hyperbolic, then after embedding, you get a linear relationship between distances before embedding and after embedding. But if there is any mismatch between the curvature of the true curvature of the space and the curvature that was after embedding, then the resulting curves, uh, known as Shepard diagrams, will deviate. And using this deviation from straight line, one could detect a mismatch in curvature between embedding and full spaces. So what we find is that when you take samples across a diverse set of cells, then a hyperbolic embedding gives a more of a straight line than a Euclidean embedding. And um, and then um, vice versa, um, and this matches what you would expect using synthetic points. Finally, um, but if you take samples that are similar of this uh, similar cell type, then Euclidean representations gives um, um, a, a straight line and the hyperbolic embedding does not. So in other words, when we take samples that are local, so locally the space is Euclidean and then um, with, um, um, as we include more diverse set of samples, 
it becomes more strongly hyperbolic. And also, it also depends on the number of um, genes that are taken into account. If the number of genes is less than about 100, then the hyperbolic effects are not obvious. So one can think of the, and the intuitive explanation for this is that the correlations between genes, because they form the branches of a hyperbola. So the more genes are taken into account, the stronger the correlations, and then it, the easier it becomes to find a low-dimensional hyperbolic representation. So um, by monitoring the convexity of the Shepard diagram, we could find what is the, um, the estimate the curvature of the underlying space. So in this case, this is from human cells, and we change the curvature of the embedding space and monitor the place where the curvature is estimated to be of the Shepard diagram goes to zero. In this case, um, so using this method, one could estimate curvature for different numbers of um, data sets. So we looked at embryonic stem cells, uh, cells from the lung, kidney, brain, and combined human samples. And you would notice is that the curvature, or equivalent in the size of the hyperbolic map relative to the unit curvature, increases systematically from embryonic cells to differentiated cells to brain cells and then to uh, human samples. So one could think of this um, uh, size of the map or the, the curvature as a measure of uh, complexity in the data sets. How many hierarchical steps are there in the data? So if, um, if the suggestion is that the hyperbolic geometry is useful, uh, reflects the true geometry of the data set, then it should also be useful for visualizing the data. So to follow up on this um, idea, many of you know there is a method called uh, TISNI and also UMAP. So these are the two leading methods for visualizing the data set. And the thought is that if the, geometry, if the true geometry is hyperbolic and these methods work in um, Euclidean space, so how about if uh, one tries to incorporate the hyperbolic assumption into the TISNI method? So the TISNI method has another, and this is what we did in this graph here. So what is shown here is the hyperbolic map with its expansion of states, and as a guide, we show um, the underlying kind of schematic network. But also, the TISNI has another um, aspect to it, is that it's primarily a clustering method. So being a clustering method, it produces nice clusters, but the position between clusters is not constrained because the distances, the clustering algorithm emphasizes the local distances and discards the global distances. So our approach was to add another term that penalizes deviations both on small scale and large scale. So in this case, the local distances are Euclidean because that was defined in from um, geometry detection. And the global distances were hyperbolic. And the result, we call it a hyperbolic TISNI. 
And you can see that according to both local correlation and the clustering correlation, the hyperbolic TSNI outperforms both the regular TSNI right here and the UMAP. And then there is another method that we also tried. We call it global TSNI. Global TSNI does not make the hyperbolic assumption. It's unconstrained, but it constrains both local and global distances. And so it doesn't make any assumption about what kind of space it is. It achieves um, good uh, performance similar to hyperbolic TSNI, but um, one could also say that the hyperbolic assumption is more constrained and gets the same accuracy as um, what we have with, um, uh, without it. So another um, method, and so another part that one is important to emphasize, so if you look, for example, at this data set of um, breast cancer cells, you will notice that some cells are, some samples, so each point here is um, uh, sample are closer to the center of the map. So these cells would be candidate stem cells, uh, cancer stem cells, or the cells that are less differentiated. So we, one can use the position in the map to uh, put samples in the hierarchy. And finally, it might be interesting to compare with another hyperbolic method called Poincaré map method, which is also um, uses hyperbolic geometry, but hyperbolic geometry locally, not globally, as in the hyperbolic Disney. And one can see that one has a better embedding, uh, more linear embedding with the global hyperbolic geometry. So in summary, what I have shown you three examples of the use of hyperbolic geometry to describe the natural orders from plants um, for how humans rank samples, so for human perception, and for gene expression. And in all these cases, um, a three-dimensional geometry um, is the one that can account for the data. And the final point is that we showed that taking into account hyperbolic geometry leads to improved visualization. And the code for these uh, methods is publicly available online. So with this, I would like to thank you for your attention and um, thank you. Um, send hello from my group and ask for questions. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this lecture. It was recorded in April 2022 in Philadelphia at the ASBMB annual meeting, held in conjunction for the final time with the Experimental Biology Conference. In 2023, the ASBNB annual meeting will be held in Seattle. Learn more at discoverbnb.asbnb.org.